Hello and welcome to Talk Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce businesses grow their sales. Stick around to the end of the show to hear how you could save up to 80% on credit card fees for your online store. I'm Veronica Costello, and with me, as always, is Brent Peterson. Brent has been hard at work on his free joke project, though I can't say the quality of the humor has improved much. We may have to start charging people to hear his jokes. It could be our new revenue stream, or it may not. Brent is passionate about helping entrepreneurs, even if comedy isn't his forte. On today's show, we have an insightful chat with Eric Shoiket, CEO of Link Money, a company aiming to reduce credit card processing fees for merchants. With costs rising across the board, this could be a real game changer for many e-commerce businesses. Eric shares his vision for how bank-to-bank payments could transform online shopping and cut costs dramatically. Definitely worth a listen for any store owner or startup founder. Stay tuned for our chat with Eric Shoiket of Link Money right after this break. Are you lost in the content creation chaos, struggling under the burden of high costs and complications? Does the thought of regular content posting make you break out in hives? We feel your pain, but don't despair. Your content hero has arrived. Introducing Content Basis, delivering unparalleled content creation and scheduling solutions crafted specifically for your audience and needs. Harnessing the power of AI, we efficiently deliver on-point content every time. Our US-based team meticulously reviews each piece, ensuring authenticity and precision. We value your unique voice and insights. You direct the final shape while we handle ideation to execution. With auto-scheduling, your content always finds its audience. And with bi-weekly check-ins, our strategies sync with your vision. At Content Basis, we're your dedicated ally in the content battlefield. From ideation to posting, we've got your content journey covered. Visit contentbasis.io and say goodbye to content chaos today. That's contentbasis.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today, I have Eric Shoikit. Eric uh, is the CEO of Len Money. Link Money. Sorry. Eric, go ahead. Do an introduction for yourself much better than I did. Tell us your day-to-day role and maybe one of your passions in life. Uh, thank, thanks for having me. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of Link Money. We are a pay-by-bank um, platform in the United States, which means that we allow enterprise merchants um, ranging in a bunch of different sectors from e-commerce to storage units to parking to insurance to charitable organizations um, to accept payments from customers directly from the customer's bank account and then into the merchant's bank account. And that ultimately results in these merchants saving anywhere from 60 to 80% in terms of card processing costs um, and allows them an alternative and far cheaper 
and secure payment method to uh, accept funds from their customers. So that's what we do. We're focused on the United States. Um, and I've been you know, building and scaling this company for several years. Prior to that, I founded another company in the fintech space called Adam Finance. And prior to that was in the financial services industry. Great. And passions in life? Anything exciting happening personally? I'm a big skier. So big, big ski buff. Um, like to take time every winter and go skiing. Um, I think it's a great sport. Great way to be outdoors. Right. Yeah. Not Nordic skiing, just downhill. Just, yeah. Downhill, bumps, whatever, anything. Awesome. Um, Eric, so I know that you have so graciously volunteered to hear a joke and just say, should this joke be free or do you think we could charge for it someday? I call it the free joke project. So here we go. I'm just going to tell you a joke. Just tell me if you think it should be free or do you think somebody should charge for it? My boss said to me, you're the worst train driver ever. How many trains have you derailed in the past year? I said, I'm not sure. It's hard to keep track. I think that joke should be free. Probably. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. In the ever-evolving retail landscape, one platform is changing the game, ushering in a retail renaissance that puts relationships at the forefront. Welcome to Endear. Endear is a CRM built for omni-channel brands, empowering them with the consumer data to deliver a personalized, efficient customer experience that drives sales and retention. Imagine a tool that intuitively understands your customers' needs, giving your brand a remarkable edge. Don't believe us? Geronimo from Rebag says, I've used every CRM from Salesforce down, and Endear is the best one I've found for us. With Endear, your team isn't just selling products and crafting stories that resonate, nurturing connections that last. It's not just a CRM. It's a tool that empowers your sales associates to make personalized connections, bridging brands and customers like never before. Ready to redefine retail clienteling with a platform trusted by hundreds of omni-channel brands around the globe? Request your Endear demo today and enter a future of enriched connections and unparalleled customer loyalty. All right, Eric, so let's talk about uh, credit card fees and, and banking. Uh, I know that that's been sort of a, a thing lately about uh, the fees that you get charged. Tell us a little bit about why you started this and maybe give us a little, give it, even give us a little background on, on the fees that people have to pay or merchants have to pay. Sorry. Yeah, so when merchants accept cards, there's obviously a, a suite of fees that they have to pay in order to basically do that. So... The main fee component that these merchants have to pay it's what's, is what's known as interchange. So that represents the bulk of basically card processing costs. There's also fees that they have to pay to their merchant acquirer, the, you know, their card processor, any other kind of software that they use. But the bulk of it, for simplicity's sake, sake excuse me, um, is really interchange. And interchange is uh, divided between a few different people in or companies, I should say, in the value chain. Um, so some of it goes to Visa and MasterCard and, and Amex, but the vast majority of it goes to the acquiring bank and the issuing bank. So those are two people, um, one who represents basically the customer's bank, one who represents the merchant's bank that basically get um, you know, the vast majority of that interchange revenue. Ultimately, those fees, 
even though the vast majority of it doesn't go to Visa, MasterCard, and Amex, those are set by the card networks. And what's basically happened in the United States over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years is this kind of oligopoly of these card networks has continuously raised interchange rates over time. And so the aggregate card processing costs that merchants have faced over time has gone up quite dramatically. Um, and this is really painful for merchants because, you know, this is money that comes right out of the bottom line, right? This is, you know, those fees are right out of ultimately net profits, right? It's not revenue dollars. It's it's pure kind of down to the bottom line. So for merchants who, many of whom have kind of a thin margin business, um, this is, you know, really painful. Um, and the fact that, you know, so for some merchants, these costs have gone from maybe, you know, 2% of sales to three and a half percent of sales over the last, let's say, five, six years is extremely problematic. And these merchants are looking for cheaper alternatives and other forms of payment that cost less um, so they can hopefully, you know, improve their margins and offset maybe some of the macro weakness we're seeing. And so our job um, as a pay by bank provider in the United States is to provide a seamless solution that is significantly cheaper than you know, what these merchants have to pay when they accept credit and debit cards. And just uh, so the, um, I guess just so end users understand that when somebody uses a credit card, that merchant has to pay a fee to a provider. Uh, part of that goes to the bank, part of it goes to the Visa MasterCard or American Express, something like that. Um, and all that is then bundled up and given to the, cl uh, given to the client as sometimes eaten from the merchant or given on to the client right and um and and those fees are something that that um that you're trying to get around but you must have a little bit of a fee as well to to, to work tell us yeah, how that so, works yeah and so the, the way to think about it is you know the society in aggregate pays for these fees and what i mean by that is you know card processing costs and high you know cost of um, payment acceptance for merchants is the way to kind of think about it is it's a tax on the economy, right? Um, society would all be better off if, you know, money movement between a customer and a merchant was, was you know, zero cost. Obviously, that's not practical because there are real costs to doing that. But, you know, the cheaper and the more real-time money movement can be in a society, um, you know, the less friction there is in the economy, right? If you, if you zoom back out, I mean, think of a society where it's pure cash-based, or actually, we go even back. If it were barter-based, right, then that would create a lot of friction in the economy, and it would be really hard for people to transact. If I need to trade my, you know, bread for, you know, your, whatever, your eggs or, or whatever it is, right? So obviously, there's, <laughs> you know, money was invented, there's cash, and, and, and then obviously, that progressed to digitization of cash, which was bank accounts and cards and kind of digital money, if you will. And the the more expensive that is, the more friction there is for the economy, the cheaper it is, and the more real-time money movement is, the better it is for the economy. So these markets that have developed kind of real-time account-to-account or bank-based transfers like, you know, Europe, um, we've seen that with PICS in Brazil, UPI in India, it makes the economy function better and removes dead weight. And so in the U.S., actually, we have pretty much the highest cost of processing of any major market in the world. Um, despite how large the market is. And so those fees, you know, everyone basically pays for them in one way or another, even for the folks who think that they're getting rewards um, from their credit cards. That's a small fraction of the total fee. 
And so what we're trying to do is, you know, reduce that two and a half to three percent card processing costs that the merchant faces. And we charge, generally speaking, about one point two percent. Um, depends on the specific merchant, depends on the amount of transactions they do, depends on the t- size of the transaction, but generally that's a good kind of guidepost. And so we're able to reduce those merchants' uh, costs by anywhere from 60 to 80% usually. So do you feel is the problem is around the U.S. and, and how can the U.S. then make it uh, a little bit more fair for everybody in this in the payment systems? So the government has done a, a few things that will definitely help. Um, there's a new account-to-account money movement feature called FedNow that the government has pushed out, which basically allows for real-time account-to-account money movement, but only if a customer authorizes every transaction. And so that isn't as robust as it exists in other markets, where basically um, a merchant can request to pull money from a customer's bank account in real time. That doesn't exist in, in this new FedNow product and, and isn't really on the roadmap for the foreseeable future. So uh, the infrastructure backdrop that some of these other markets have. With that said, there is sufficient and there has been sufficient progress in the U.S. in terms of access to bank account data and information to enable providers like us at Link Money to um, offer a pay-by-bank product that works like it would work in other markets with this kind of a superior infrastructure and still, you know, uh, save merchants a significant amount of money. So we have a, you know, we've kind of arrived at a place in the United States where we have a sufficient infrastructure and kind of bank account access and information, even if it's not, you know, ideal, let's say, and up to par with some of these other markets, it's sufficient for providers like ourselves to come in and, and help offer a cheaper payment method to merchants. Why do you think it is that the U.S. is behind? It seems like it's the behind the rest of the world when it comes to electronic payment. And I, yes, I, I would say that you know, in in Africa or lots of parts of Europe, you can pay with your text. Um, their tap and pay just became a thing here, where tap and pay or tap pin uh, <laughs> was is is a thing in Europe, but we still don't really have a uh, a tap pin system here. Why does the U.S. seem to lag behind the rest of the world? Yeah, it's it's been true for a lot of payment methods and you know payment features, whether it's wallets or tap to pay or you know if folks remember the secure chip on cards before we used to obviously only swipe. Now we insert you know the card with kind of that secure chip. That was a thing in Europe way 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 before the United States. So. Um, this has been true consistently over time. I, I think what it has to do is the fragmented nature of the merchant acquiring landscape in the United States and the banking landscape. We just have so many merchant acquirers. We have so many banks. You know, we have like 10,000 banks in the United States. Most of these other markets um, are super concentrated. Um, you look at certain markets in Europe, like the UK, there's really like six or seven major banks. Um, the merchant acquiring market is way less fragmented. There's like two, three major players. And so I think because of that, and because this is just, you know, a large market, lots of geographies, lots of specific verticals, each is very unique and large. And, you know, there's a lot of processors, a lot of merchant acquirers, a lot of banks. I think the nature of that fragmentation results in things getting rolled out kind of much slower. And for whatever reason, I think there's also um, less, you know, move by consumers, maybe in some respects to quickly adopt maybe new techs around new tech around payments here. Um, people are just used to their cards, you know, 
things tend to work here. Um, and, you know, I think maybe because of that and because of that, the incremental benefit that some of these new things offer, I think folks don't um, really aren't as excited about adopting it, right? If you look at some markets, you, know, you look at PICS, the real-time payment method in Brazil, or account-to-account payment method, I should say, in Brazil, like a lot of folks in Brazil are, just don't have bank accounts at all, underbanked or, you know, card fees and processing or the fees around that are insanely high for merchants. Like we're talking like double digit percent. So in a market like that, when you introduce something that is that revolutionary and that big of a gap versus the incumbent products, I think people are very excited to adopt. In the US, you know, if you think back to like, let's say chips in the cars, people really don't care swipe versus chip. You know, you think about wallets, people obviously use wallets here, but you know, I, I think folks don't find it so inconvenient to have kind of their, their credit card um, in their wallet and to take it out and pay. And, you know, I, I think if you think about a lot of these things, it's just, it's incremental here in the US. And so sometimes the adoption curve isn't as quick um, because I think folks don't see why it's so exciting or so revolutionary to use it. I think with respect to pay by bank, the impetus and the push is really going to be more initially more merchant driven. And the need and the desire by merchants to save money, um, especially given how expensive interchanges become, is definitely there. And so I think you will see rapid adoption, but it won't be because of kind of a new slick feature or something for consumers. It'll be much more about merchants looking to save meaningful amounts of money. And is there a magic formula for getting the U.S. to make these changes uh, to the system? Or is it just going to be a big slug trying to get uh, get the big players to move? Yeah, there's there's no silver bullet. It's the nature of the country, nature of our, you know, political system, nature of of kind of how it's been built. We're you know we're just uh, fragmented and and not centralized. And and I think that it's probably not for this conversation. I think that has a lot of benefits from you know, the perspective of like just country stability. But the flip of that is you know obviously we don't have a government body or someone who can just you know, snap their fingers and push kind of a new payment method, right? That's what happened in India. That's what happened in Brazil. That's basically what happened in Europe with kind of account-to-account real-time money movement. That will never happen in the United States. It's just not really the nature of how we're set up is just not there. So even if the Fed, as they did with Fed now, launches a new product, well, you need all the banks to adopt it, right? So now you need 10,000 banks to kind of integrate this and adopt this and then you need them to push that out to merchant acquirers and then you need to have them push that out to merchants it's not like you know a market in you know let's say india where you have a couple of major banks and the government just tells them you must offer this or we're going to offer this and then it's, it's kind of done you talked about the fed that the there's a there's a digital dollar that's that's on the horizon or already out how does that going to play into it there isn't a plan by the fed to have a digital dollar as far as i know um, Fed now is about account to account, so bank account to bank account money movement. Think about ACH, right? So Fed now is the goal of Fed now is to have something that's more real time than ACH because ACH takes a few days to settle. Um, so that's really what it's about. I don't think there is a plan by the Fed to have a, as far as I know, a digital dollar. Um, if if we talk about Europe uh, from a e commerce standpoint you still don't really see these options for payments in merchant stores. Is that, is that worldwide? And I can even speak to India that there isn't a lot of options when it comes to buying uh, as a merchant online. You still have mostly the traditional methods of payment. 
Is, is e-commerce going to be the last one to kind of dive into this? I don't know if it's the last. I would say it really depends on the nature of kind of the relationship of the customer with the merchant. That's what we tend to focus on um, and just the amount and volume of, of transactions that the customer purchases with that merchant. So, uh, for example, in e-commerce, um, you know, high repeat use e-commerce where a customer is buying from a merchant very regularly. So think about, you know, let's say something like an Amazon where you buy from them very regularly, where you have a card on file, you have a safe payment method, and often those merchants have a rewards program. Those are very good cases for us because the merchant has a lot of leverage to encourage a customer to switch their safe payment method and, and to use incentives like rewards to push that change. Um, things like um, subscriptions, so you know Netflix, or Spotify, things like that, where it's super you know recurring, obviously, safe payment method are great for us. And then there's a lot of verticals outside of e-commerce that, um, again, have repeat purchase behavior and people have it on their cards, but not for any specific reason uh, around, you know, credit extension or they're worried about disputing. It's it's really about that's just the payment method they have in their wallet. And so if you think about anything from, you know, insurance, your, your premiums that you pay regularly, um, if you have a storage unit, you know, that's usually on auto pay. Um, if you give to charitable organizations, right, that that's another one people often do that on cards. Um, you, you know, uh, if you think about um, your Starbucks app and refilling your Starbucks card, that's another one where you have a card on file, Walgreens. So, you know, all these, all these um, different verticals and use cases, the thing that ties all of it together, generally speaking for us, and, and these are kind of the, the use cases we focus on at Link Money, are situations where the customer is buying from that merchant regularly. Um, and generally, they have a safe payment method. And often, the merchant has a good amount of leverage to encourage the customer, if they wanted to, to change a payment method from a debit or credit card, let's say, to pay by bank. Okay, so this would be, um, in, in terms of e-commerce, this would be um, another method that they could pay and that would be a direct payment bank to bank instead of using Visa, MasterCard, Amex, something like that. And it's going to be down by merchant. Is that correct? Exactly. And so I guess the big hurdle for you is is then the the big, not only the banks, but the the credit cards themselves, uh, the processors, and then up all the way up the chain? Sorry, you, you cut out. I missed, I missed the question. The hurdle for you is, is getting around the, let's call it the gorilla of Visa MasterCard and, and convincing merchants that, that this is a better way to go? Or what is, what is, the, what is the blocker? Just getting merchants on board. Um, it, it doesn't really involve other players. It's, it's you know really about going to merchants and explaining to them um, why they should offer pay by bank. Many of them are looking already for alternative, cheaper payment methods. They want to save money, so it's really working with them on the details of how it works and what kind of adoption they can expect and what kind of savings. So that's really what we spend our time doing. And from a timing perspective, do you see um, do you see a trend for this? Are we looking at, at a year or two years before we start seeing some change? Our sense is, you know, merchants are really moving on this now. Actually, uh, we've seen merchants talking very actively about pay by bank, um, and that's been a big inflection from even you know six nine months ago or a year ago. 
So merchants are very actively looking to basically launch this now. Um, big companies. So you will be seeing this in the near future, definitely in 2024 among major merchants. And then our view is that the trend of pay by bank adoption will be really a multi-year secular trend that we expect to last for, you know, maybe 10 years. And we think ultimately pay by bank is going to, you know, move to, you know, it's hard to say the, the specific number, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise us if we get to, let's say seven to 10% of payment volume in the U.S. over the next five to 10 years. Uh, maybe it'll be faster. Always hard to tell with these things, but, you know, to us, we think pay by bank over the next five to 10 years is going to be a very material share of payments volume in the United States. And if we tie in e-commerce, is there a um, is there any platforms that are kind of pushing this? I know that we talked a little bit about different countries, and there's always a bind or there's always a commonality with those countries in terms of you have to use Shopify or you have to use Big Commerce, and then mm. each of those platforms have to have a payment method. Is there a mm. is there an e-commerce tie-in where you need to get the platforms to adopt a payment method? So we, we already offer actually plugins for Shopify and, and, and a few of these other ones. Um, so, you know, it, it's doable. Uh, and those in those situations, actually, it's very easy, actually, for the merchant to adopt um, versus in an enterprise sale, they have to do more kind of integration work. So, no, I, I don't think it's I think it's more about I think those integrations are very possible. I think it's more about, you know, just getting the merchants um, on board and, and, and pushing it aggressively. So it's more about education rather than adoption for the merchant side. Assuming the merchant has, you know, the setup where they can push adoption, which is kind of the area we tend to focus on, then it's a lot of it is about educating the merchant and and getting them to, you know, set it up properly and, and offer in a way that's going to kind of maximize their adoption. Um, and again, that varies based on the type of, um, the type of transaction between the customer and the merchant. You know, we don't focus on, let's say, you know, small coffee shops and, and people buying a, a $5 cup of coffee. We're focused on the the kind of the larger transaction amounts that are pretty repetitive and recurring in nature. Uh, if you had a, a nugget that you could tell a merchant or or anybody that's running a, a, a online store, what would you say to them and and I guess how would they how, how would they um how would they get a hold of you and how could you educate them more on why they should be looking at alternative payment methods methods for their store yeah, so they could reach out directly uh to me i'm my email is eric at link money um they can go on our website link money and and you know ping the sales team and and reach out that way uh, ping any of our sales folks on LinkedIn or However else, um, and, and look, I think, you know, the bottom line is that merchants are, you know, always excited about saving money. I think the the message that we have is we've abstracted all of the complexity of this. And this is as simple as basically a few lines of code in terms of integrating this into your checkout flow. Um, and then once you've done that, you know, we offer a way for you to accept payments that is anywhere from 60 to 80 percent cheaper than the current payment methods you're offering. And it works just as seamlessly in a similar manner as you would expect with cards. So you have a card-like payment method. Um, from your experience, the funds are guaranteed. They settle in the same uh, time frame, except you're just going to pay 70% less for all of the volume you drive to it. 
That's awesome, Eric. As I close out the podcast, I give uh, my guests a chance to do a shameless plug. You can plug anything you'd like. What would you like to plug today? I would like to plug us. So uh, please, merchants, um, we're excited to chat with you about how we can help you save money and lower your cost of payment. So please ping us, uh, eric at link.money. You can go on our website, link.money. Great. Now make sure I'll put those on the show notes. Eric, it's been a great, uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. And uh, I hope uh, I hope that you help to drive down these costs because I know that is uh, it is it is certainly a problem in the industry and um, uh, that it's a really important thing that you do. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's (laughs) talk-commerce.com. quality of